Uh, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Last Musas podcast. My name is Romy Natalia Goldberg, and I'm joined by my fellow Edmanas for Ask a Musa, the Edmanas episode. Okay, so let's start with our first question. Valerie, we'll start with you. Can you tell us about your writing journey and the projects you've been working on during the Las Musas mentorship? Absolutely. Thanks so much. Um, my name is Valerie Howdigy, and I am a um, nonprofit literacy director by day and then um, a writer by all other times of day. I've got uh, two eight-year-old twins, and my current work in progress is a middle grade text for a graphic novel called Fish Boy. And it's about a talented young swimmer who longs for connection to his recently deceased mother. And he finds that it takes him having the courage to be his authentic self as a mermaid performer to relate to his new blended family and swim free. Uh, And I love fairy tales. I think that um, kind of like cultural stories heal. And so this story is told in three acts and there's Latinx and Irish merman and mermaid retellings between um, each act. And that reflects the main character's mixed heritage. Wow, that sounds incredible. Ines, can you start off by introducing yourself, telling us about your writing journey and the projects that you've been working on during the last Musas mentorship? Yeah. Uh, my name is Ines Lozano. Um, I, during the day, I work uh, as a marketing specialist, uh, but my writing, I really started taking it seriously around 2016. Um, I look back at it now and it's just, it's changed so much. I started out writing YA sci-fi um, and then like through notes and rejections through my first round of querying, I realized, you know, I really wasn't writing something that spoke to me. And that's where I ended up going into writing YA Contemporary. Um, Right now, I'm working on a novel about a girl who recently graduated high school. Um, She sees no future for herself besides being stuck in the town that she desperately wants to leave. Um, When she gets an internship that could offer her a future that's that's different, um, it's only then that she realizes that her town isn't the problem. It's the unresolved issues she has with her dad and the bitter divorce that happened with her parents. Um, And that's what's kind of clouded her from understanding what she really wants from life, which is to honor her family's traditions. Um, When I connected with Angela, my mentor, um, she saw all the potential in it. And um, yeah, that's that's where I'm writing now. I started uh, querying in 2018, got several rejections, but um, a lot of it was filled with with positive encouragement. So that's where I am. That's awesome. Uh, It sounds really good. So, Ashley, do you want to take it up next? Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Granillo, and I'm a high school teacher by day and a college English teacher at night. And sometime in between that, I guess I (laughs) am able to write uh, middle grade contemporary fiction. Um, Like Inez said, it wasn't always that way for me. I didn't start writing middle grade contemporary fiction off the bat. I was doing a lot of adult romance and um, liking as like I was querying and not getting the responses that I wanted or I just didn't feel like those books were my heart and then when I wrote Chrisita Yirabanda like that was my heart and I felt that this was the book Um, and it's about a young girl who really wants to be a Disney star or basically far away from reality as possible 
because she's dealing with a lot of emotional turmoil. Her um, great uncle, who was more like a grandfather to her, had passed away. He was helping her speak Spanish, um, which she ends up kind of failing in middle school. And she's really upset about that. Um, because that's a really weird place for a Mexican-American young girl to be in, especially when she grows up in a, in a community that's predominantly Spanish-speaking, and she isn't. So she's struggling a lot with that facet of her identity. Um, and also her grandma's bakery is sort of failing right now. So she needs to figure out how to help her family, how to help herself. And she, you know, magically by way of like her Disney self conjures something within her uh, in order to put her talents to good use and save the bakery and also just achieve her dreams of being on the stage. She never thought she was going to be a mariachi, but this is where she is. And, you know, her whole journey comes full circle. Um, so when I connected with Jen Torres about it, like it, it was just perfect. Um, she, uh, her book, Steph Soto, Taco Queen, is kind of in that genre too, and sort of about similar struggles. So we just connected instantly. Um, and throughout this whole journey, like we've been working on, you know, really finessing some line stuff. Like she thought like it was perfect. I'm like, I don't know, cause I'm still getting a lot of rejections. Like, I don't know if it's perfect. So we've just been fine tuning it, um, trying to find moments where we can bring out beats and just more emotional resonance. And I guess it worked because I finally landed a literary agent just a month ago. So I'm super excited. And so Crucita was the one, like I knew it intuitively. She was the one and I just, I love her. Wonderful. Well, uh, our listeners can't um, see it, but here on the Zoom, we're all clapping for you. Thank you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Verena, do you want to go next? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Verena Rodriguez. I'm a Mexican author illustrator. Um, I work full time as a graphic designer by day and the rest of my time I work on my freelance illustration projects and on my writing projects uh, for the Las Musas mentorship. I'm currently working on a picture book biography and a little great graphic novel. I always loved drawing and writing since I was a kid. So by the time I was 13, I knew I wanted to work <laughs> to live drawing. Um, so then I studied graphic design. I worked in graphic design, uh, but it wasn't until 2017 when I started a Master of Arts in Children's Literature at UBC in Vancouver that I reconnected with my writing. I took some writing, like creative writing courses there. And that's where I started uh, writing my picture book biography. And I also rewrote this uh, graphic novel project. It was originally like an illustrated book. Um, then it was last year during the, the start of the COVID pandemic that I, I didn't have a job. I was back in Mexico, but I had a lot of time so i started doing all these twitter pitches and entered a tv party contest and i got selected as a finalist and i had an interest from one agent 
Uh, we had a call and she offered an R&R, which is a revised and resubmit. Later, I applied to the Erasmus of Mentorship and two weeks after being accepted, that same agent offered me representation. So I'm also agented now. Uh, <laughs> yay. So now I'm working with both my mentor, Juliet Menendez, and my agent on both projects, which are the, it's a picture book biography about Alice Le Plongeon, who was the first woman to explore the Maya ruins of Chichen Itza and Uxmal in Yucatan, Mexico in the 19th century. And she was also a photographer, a writer. She published several books and yeah. And also I'm from Yucatan, so it's a very personal story. And she met my great grandmother. So it's like all connected. And then my second project, which is a middle grade graphic novel, that's uh, like a fantasy mystery, mix of Coraline with Coco and Spirited Away, <laughs> sort of. Uh, so yeah, and hopefully, I'll send my picture group on submission soon. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we're rooting for you. And I, lo I love those comps you just gave. They're incredible. Uh, so I started my writing journey with a literal journey. I spent about three years traveling around Paraguay to write a travel guidebook. And my major motivation, I had never thought about writing at all but my my motivation when I embarked on that journey was uh, the lack of representation I wasn't seeing very wide represented within the travel guides I was seeing people pick up and and I just felt like it wasn't it wasn't right what I was the information I was finding it wasn't enough and it didn't make me feel like it was representing the country that I knew and loved and that same uh desire for representation is what led me to pivot to children's books once I moved to the United States a few years later. And I've mostly written picture books, but for my Las Musas mentorship, I focused on my middle grade, which is set in Paraguay, and it deals with crafting, communicating, and checking your privilege. And my mentor, Mia Garcia, helped me with setting deadlines, with unearthing storylines that I really didn't even know were there when I began. And also getting out of my head a little. She's kind of been like a writing therapist for me. And I'm so appreciative of all of her support along the way. Even after our mentorship technically ended, we've still, you know, worked together and, and checked up. And so I've been so appreciative of, of the Las Musas mentorship. So let's move on to the next question, which is what advice would you give writers looking for a mentor or navigating their first mentorship experience. Are there any specific traits that they should look for? And we can start with Ashley. Um, well, for me, I think communication is probably the biggest one, like communication style, because it's no fun when, let's say, your mentor is all about phone calls and Zoom meetings and you're really an introverted person and that doesn't work for you, right? So that will lead to a lot of anxiety, a lot of miscommunication. So finding someone who knows your communication style and what you're comfortable with is really important. And that's just based on a lot of learning experiences I've had with other publishing experiences where 
We just didn't have the communication style and there was constantly miscommunications. So instead of something being really fruitful and fun, it ended up being like dreadful <laughs> and sometimes aggravating to deal with. So communication style is the biggest one that I seek, um, but also humility. Uh, I like when somebody is able to admit that they're wrong or they don't know something because then it becomes like a collaborative process of like, okay, both of us don't know the answer. So like, let's figure it out together. Um, and then, you know, it, it'll just be like a more fun, again, fruitful process. So pairing those two traits together for me, which Jen has been amazing at both of those. And I think it also helps that um, Jen and I are both college professors. So we were able to find some common ground with our communication styles, thinking how we communicate to our students and how we communicate as to our colleagues that was really helpful and it's just been a really fun process. Yeah, um, like Ashley said, I, I think my advice uh, to the communication part of it is figuring out first what you actually need. Now, what kind of writer are you and what help do you need? Um, because then you can communicate that with your mentor. So if you are someone like me who has a hard time um, stitching or building the story, but like, you know, you're, you're great with dialogue and setting and voice, but you have a hard time, um, like I did with like building the stakes and understanding the goals, then um, you need to find a mentor who'd be able to fit that. And in my first interview with Angela, one of the things um, she asked me, I was, what was I looking for? And I told her, well, I need to know what your editing style is. Um, and it turns out that she is, um, she enjoys the stitching of stories together. Uh, she enjoys outlining and plotting, which was something that was new to me, but I knew my brain needs plotting. Like I was a pantser and um, I didn't realize that the reason I was struggling is because I didn't have an outline or some kind of plan to look forward. Um, and that's where like Angela came in. But had I not thought to myself first, well, what do I need? It probably would have been a waste of time for me and for Angela. Awesome. Um, Valerie? Yeah, I think and oh, before that, just to clarify, that was Ines speaking before. Uh, Valerie? Thank you. Uh, I would ask yourself, what am I looking to gain from this process towards a specific writing goal? So I looked at my manuscript and thought, okay, where does this piece of writing need help? And because it is text um, only, I'm writing the words, uh, it was a really perfect fit with Alyssa, um, who is a graphic novelist. And so um, I also wanted to incorporate more fairy tales. That was something that we both connected with in terms of just cultural stories. Um, we're both just enchanted and captivated, so that excited us both. She helped me though with the visual imagery that could bring my words to life and then also connect the Mexican culture of the main character's mother. Um, and since it is a graphic novel, she showed me how the snippets of the fairy tales can be placed in just the right spot in the story to reflect what's ha happening in my main character's evolution on, in becoming their authentic self. Um, I also found out about some great comp titles that I never would have discovered without her. Um, so just kind of know where you want to go um, because timing is also something to consider when you're looking for a mentor. Um, the, having a mentor gives me a feeling of traveling closer to the publishing aspect of getting one of my books out there. So you can ask, 
you know, where am I right now in my writing life and where do I want to go? Because ultimately a mentor can be a bridge to those next steps. So it's really good to know where you want to travel to, so to speak. That is spoken like a true writer. I love that, that metaphor of a, of a bridge. Uh, so I'll go next and I'll say, uh, if you're in a position where you're choosing from several mentors, I take the time to research each. And obviously you want to see if you actually like their writing, but I'd also try and figure out what their teaching or mentoring style is like. And the way to do that is to read any interviews or watch any webinars that they've done on craft, or even see if you can talk to their past mentees. That way you get a sense of what their teaching style is and whether you guys will click. And once you have a mentorship up front, I would discuss scheduling with your mentor. You know, they could be super busy towards the end of your mentorship, but free at the start and therefore able to read at the start of the mentorship, but not able to read at the end. So you really want to make sure, you know, mentors are, are busy there. The reason we're going to them is because they're successful and when they're successful, that means they got deadlines, they've got stuff that they have to do, and they're working you into their schedule. So it's, it's good to plan accordingly. That way you can make the most of your time together, especially if you're working on a novel, which will take more time to read and more time to, to edit on your end, if that's what you're doing with them. And then also, I really think that you should be honest with yourself. It, sometimes our writing is very precious, and we're not ready to be to receive critiques. And so if you aren't in a position where you're open to constructive criticism, then really don't don't apply for a mentorship yet because you'll just be wasting everyone's time. You really want to make sure that you're ready to receive what your mentor is, is ready to give you. That way you can make the most of it. So Verena, would you like to answer next? Yeah, so I agree basically with whatever everyone said before, uh, especially I would ask to be very clear about your time expectations, um, to get in touch often with your mentor, even if you can't meet as often, and that would be depending on your communication style. I do prefer to do like other, either phone calls or Zoom calls, but that's also because as an illustrator, I need to be showing my illustrations, so it's just easier. And yeah, to look for someone that writes in your own genre or that has similar interests to what you have in writing. Uh, with my mentor, Juliet, since she's also an illustrator, it has been easier to switch between revising the illustrations and the text. So that has been very helpful for me because I not always have like updates on the writing part, but I do have on sketches or like finals so we can switch and I can ask for her advice as an illustrator so that has been very helpful to me. Nice it sounds like everyone's gotten a lot out of their mentorship and that's that's really wonderful to hear. So for our next question uh, we would like to know what is an important writing lesson that you've learned throughout this process? And Ines, I will throw it to you first. So I mentioned earlier that um, I was kind of new to plotting. Um, when I learned about plotting, it was right before the mentorship started. You know, I understood that my brain functions better when I have a plan. Um, but what Angela taught me is that 
um, over outlining can also be a problem. Um, and that while outlining is like really helpful, when you start drafting it, it also makes sense to just look 200 feet in front of you um, because the story will still evolve even when, when you have an outline. Um, characters will change, new scenes are gonna pop into your head and it's good to be open to that discovery. And that helped me not be locked in or boxed in by, by an outline. And that was really helpful. Nice, that does sound really helpful. Uh, Valerie? I learned how to open a wider crack into my main character's growth in the story um, through certain devices. Um, that's been super helpful. One is using changes in articulation and tone throughout the story to show the confidence and mastery of Santiago's experience. So for him, you know, it's, it's Santi's ability to like really own and not hide anymore his um, swimming freely as a mermaid performer. And then also another way is the way that he speaks to his dad at the end of the story or slowly build that up towards the end. It shows off his newfound ability to be himself authentically. And then what's great is that this changes the story because the characters, they're all part of a dysfunctional blended family. They now interact with him and each other differently. Um, and then they change as, as a result as well. Excellent. Uh, Verena? Mm -hmm. Well, patience is not one of my virtues. Uh, I have very low tolerance to frustration before this. So I've really had to work on that. And I feel like now I am better at that. Um, so yeah, just have patience because everything is very slow. You will have to write and rewrite. And that can be very frustrating at times. I've also learned the importance of having a second opinion on my writing, uh, either from a mentor or from a critique partner. Uh, I think that really helps to improve my writing. And also for larger projects like my graphic novel, uh, outlining, because I was more of a fancer before. Uh, so there were many plot holes or characters that weren't fully developed. So yeah, now I outline a lot. I feel your pain, Verena. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. And patience, this this industry, everything takes forever. So until it doesn't. Oh, that's true. And now all of a sudden it happens all quickly. That's true. It really is a roller coaster. Uh, Ashley? Um, like Verena was saying, um, I don't have a lot of patience either. Uh, so this whole journey was more of like an internal lesson, also sort of mental health related. Um, there was some craft stuff in there too, but I have this mantra over my desk that says, be patient and enjoy the process. And I've really internalized that mantra because I forget to have fun with creation. I forget to enjoy the experimentation, the lack of deadlines, and just a moment to just be the writer that I am and, and find my voice and find Crucita a little bit more. So creating that space was vital throughout this process and just saying, okay, I know that there's this wonderful outlined sort of chapter and it's working and has the beats, but can there be more emotional resonance? And Jen and I have worked really hard at finding those moments where I can be a little bit more emotionally resonant. So I'm not running through the novel so quickly. 
like I just want to get through some of the chapters because I don't want to write this chapter. Maybe it's a little too emotional for me because again, this is the book of my heart and it's largely seeped in and rooted into some of my family history too, that I've sort of extracted and, and cultivated this magical story. But now it's, okay, be patient. Grusita doesn't have a reaction in this moment. Something bad just happened to her. And she's just like, okay, <laughs> um, like what is her reaction? And I'm like, I just wanted to get to the next chapter. So I forgot some of those details. So I was able to sit with a lot of those those moments where those emotional like happenings can can occur and it was really like the fine detail so again be patient have fun don't rush through it like your book will be better for it if you just be patient again that's really hard though i i love that because really it so much of it sometimes we're so focused on the finish line that that we forget that this is the journey right here the becoming of, of a writer and then once once our writing is in somebody else's hands it's kind, it's kind of out of our control this is the time where we can really sit with our writing and really like you said let the the emotions be a part of it and not just trying to rush through the beats or not just trying to rush through your writing career to get to the the next novel or the next or the prize or the agent or whatever the milestone is like this is the journey so that's that's great advice and uh it's funny because my my lesson really has a lot to do with Ines's and Verena as well in terms of plotting and pantsing the lesson I for me personally I wish I'd learned earlier is do not be a pantser unless you have a really firm grip on story structure and your mileage may vary on this one, depending on where you are as a writer. For me, I had no formal training. I just kind of dove in. And, you know, personally, it would have saved me the trouble of writing lots of pretty, pretty sentences that I ended up having to cut just because they, were, they weren't going anywhere. They weren't adding up to anything. And so the underlying structure of your story is so important. And it's really hard to shoehorn it in after the fact. But again, with everything, to balance, right? Because you can, I was listening to what you were saying, Ines, and really thinking like, oh, I need to talk to her about this afterwards. The idea that you can over plot and over plan. And so you can almost write yourself into a corner and not be patient, just to tie it back to what you were saying, Ashley. And if you're not patient and you're not able to kind of let your story breathe, and that's something that is kind of easier, I think, to to do sometimes with pantsing. I don't know. It's a, it's a whole balance. But for me personally, I would say if you want to pants, make sure you at least understand how a story is supposed to flow and be structured so you don't just write yourself off into oblivion and end up having to revise like I'm doing. Uh, okay, so for our next question, what advice do you have for writers who are just starting out? And Valerie, would you like to start? Yes, thank you. I would say to be curious and um, accept your abilities right where you are right now, because there's some kind of force or value in the idea that you want to write. So think about this writing experience itself as the bigger picture. So for me, like this shift in thinking, it strengthens, you know, my ability to really stay focused on what I want to say, um, instead of getting lost in expected end results of what you think your story needs to be. So sometimes something like this 
the art of writing a story is more of an intangible thing. So let your writing sessions be active flows of creation because who knows what will come out when you're just free to accept what is coming. Um, I've surprised myself by loosening up my intentions. Like I know we just spoke about that for a scene or a character. And also this way is a lot more fun and more free. Excellent. Uh, Verena? Yeah, so again, have patience. And I would say read a lot in the genre you're interested in and pay attention to structure and prose and how, yeah, just how they write, what kind of writing you prefer. And then you can try to practice that in your own writing. Also, I'll repeat it, find a critique group that has been immensely helpful for me. And just don't lose hope after your first or your 10th or your zillionth rejection because those will come. And the only way you can get better is trying and trying and trying until you improve. So that would be. That's good advice. I mean, if you don't, if you, don't want rejection, then don't try and get published. <laughs> because even I've heard people say, you could get an agent quickly, get a deal quickly, you're still gonna get rejections at some point in your life. So it's just part of the journey. So for me, my advice, well, I'm a raging extrovert. So I'm all about networking and community. I know that some authors are more introverted, but you can still build community uh, if you're an introvert, especially nowadays online, and it's it's easier. So I would say find your support group. And that means people who will support you, but also people who you are committed to supporting. So it's amazing to connect with famous authors, but I'd focus on building connections with people who are on your level or maybe one step ahead or one step behind. You know, these are the people that you're going to learn and you're going to grow with and hopefully debut with. And so that, that's where you are going to find your critique partners, people who are going to give you, have time to talk to you about your story, give you mentor text, tell you what agent you should be looking at. That, that's your group. That's your cohort. And what I mean about networking and connecting, I really mean sincere connections. Like I don't mean look at your fellow authors as stepping stones to success. That's that's icky. You know, just don't, don't be that person that ditches their writing friends when they get agented or published. This is such a small community that eventually you'll just run out of people to ditch and you'll be alone. So really, I would say focus on trying to build a, a community and find, find connection with fellow writers and illustrators who are there with you. You know, they're, they're your crew and they're who you're going to again, get support from, but also give support and try and be happy for other people, genuinely happy for other people's successes. If you can do that, you know, we all have that moment where somebody gets a book deal, somebody gets an agent and you have that little pang in your, in your stomach of, oh, I wish that was me. You can feel that feeling, live in that moment for a second and then just let it go and be happy for, for the people around you, especially if we're talking about uplifting fellow Latin creators, the more you can take joy in the success of the whole community, the better it's going to be for you emotionally, you know, healthily in terms of healthily, that's not even a word. In terms of your emotional health, just being happy for your community, 
that and then having people to root for if you root for them they will they will root for you so i think that that is a really good way to make sure that the journey itself is enjoyable and that you're not just focused on on getting that book out there because it's more it's being a writer you know for us it's a it's a career that we want or that we're already in we're aspiring to maybe but it'll be much more enjoyable if we're actually in it together uh, so that was very long, sorry. Uh, Ashley, you wanna go next? So I echo a lot of what everyone has said so far, but I think I wanna spend a little bit more time on setting realistic goals for yourself as you're entering this process. And what I mean by that, so both my high school and college kids know this, that they have to set SMART goals. So their end goal for the semester is always like, I want an A. I'm like, cool, but how are you gonna get to that A. Like, what are you going to do week by week for the next 16 weeks to get that A? And some of them just say, I want to be a better writer. I'm like, what does that even mean though? Like, I don't have like a concrete idea of what that looks like. And as a little writer myself, I didn't have an idea of what that was either. I just saw the end goal, which is get an agent, get published, be famous, flash, 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 lights, lights, lights. Um, that was my goal, but I had no idea like how I was going to get through that step-by-step step every day. So some things are very little. So some goals are going to be as small as maybe I'm going to look into different word processing um, things because Google Doc or Word's not working for me and it's making it hard to write. Maybe I can research and look into something that will help me there. Maybe it is something like I'm going to read a book a week um, in the genre. Those are small, smaller goals, even smaller goals than that. I'm just going to write for 15 minutes today when I have the chance and ability to do so. That's another goal. And you're meeting all those goals. So you're feeling better about yourself and you're starting to realize that all of these things are possible, but you just have to take the necessary steps to get there. And again, I didn't know that. I thought writing quickly doing NaNoWriMo and then like having the full draft, you know, putting myself through that like whole anxious month of like, I have to write 2000 words every day or else the world's going to explode was the worst thing. I did it twice. And every November I had like these chest pains because I was just so focused on getting the draft and then sending it out immediately because I just wanted that success. And that wasn't realistic at all. So this is what I mean by smart goals, like have realistic goals. You can definitely have dreams. I'm, def I'm not judging your dreams, but having the realistic goal to get to that dream is vital. And again, um, it'll protect your emotional health as well. You'll feel better. You'll learn a lot about yourself. So realistic goals, smart goals, do them. I can tell you're a teacher. You came in with that actionable advice. I love it. I'm breaking it down. That's great. And that's really fantastic advice. Uh, Ines? Yeah, so um, mine is similar to what Verena was saying. Uh, so just to piggyback on not giving up, um, you know, you'll hear people say that the writers that make it are the ones that don't give up. Because um, it isn't about being a perfect writer in the moment. It's about sticking to it and learning and um, not giving up on yourself. So, cause writing is hard. Um, it can be painful at times, but there's something in the craft that keeps us coming back. Um, we love it even when we hate it, <laughs> but 
Had I given up when the struggle seemed too much or with my first few rejections, I wouldn't have witnessed the growth in my own writing. Um, and I feel so much closer to my goal than I did the first time I opened up Scrivener. You know, um, like this year I received uh, two revise and resubmits from agents and that's just miles ahead from where um, I started in this journey. So really it's, it's, it's to not give up. If you really want this, just keep going at it and um, find ways to, um, to, to learn something new. That's awesome. And congratulations on those R&Rs. That's, that's really great. <laughs> so now we shared so many great tips and information. And so now uh, I would like to know, or we would like to know, what writing resources do you recommend uh, for writers? And Valeria, we can start with you. Or Valerie, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Valeria. I love it. No, no worries. Um, I love short workshops online with Francesca Leo Block. She's a writer on craft and she really loves teaching. She loves her students and, and loves the ideas that everybody comes with. Uh, and I also agree with what you were talking about, saying finding your writing community. Um, Las Musas has been instrumental for me in this way. And um, I recommend the Latinx Symposium through the Highlights Foundation. And that's where I connected with Las Musas. Um, the next one is coming up soon. Uh, I also have taken other great courses from Highlights Foundation, like uh, the middle grade fiction series writing. Um, I learned a lot, met some critique partners that way. Also SCBWI, the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, their workshops and short conferences, I've uh, been able to connect and find critique groups. They've got local chapters um, where you can have lit mingles online and meet people. Um, and, and it's important to kind of give back that way too. If you have the opportunity to share your work or help um, revise someone else's work or even teach something, that's another way to connect. Um, another thing that I like is an online writers group called Resilient Writers. And here you can learn more about writing practice and also craft. It's, it's really rich. They go deep uh, and you can strengthen certain areas where you'd like to grow as a writer. Um, something that I found helpful with that is the psychology of motivation and rewards and how your brain responds. So that was helpful to me to incorporate into my writing life uh, to feel healthy and then also with all the distractions that can come, you know, the having a family and working, it's really been crucial um, for me to kind of have that perseverance to get through all of this and uh, Resilient Writers with Rhonda Douglas really helped me. I'm gonna have to look that up for sure. That sounds amazing. Uh, Ines, do you have any recommended resources? I do. On the craft side of things, um, Save the Cat Writes a Novel by Jessica Brody um, and also by Lisa Cron, um, Story Genius and Wired for Story. Those both really helped me out, especially in transitioning from pantsing to plotting, because it helped me um, see what that plan should look like. What should that outline look like? What should be in a story like you were talking about before? Um, Romy about understanding story structure. So on that side, um, those are my three go-to books and I often reread them sometimes. Um, on the business side of things, the publishing side, I like podcasts, <laughs> like the Less Moves Us podcast. I actually learned a lot about the behind the scenes, um, what to expect. Um, the transparency has been amazing. 
um, and also Deadline City um, with, with Zoraida Cordova and um, Danielle Clayton. And that one um, is just very open and you get to see the stuff behind the curtain. So those are the really helpful for me. Yeah, I'm such a huge fan of podcasts. Uh, Verena? Yes, so for writing resources, uh, the KitLit Latins and the KitLit 411 Facebook groups, they were full of useful tips and resources for me. Uh, also, when you're looking for an agent, the hashtag MSWL was great. And as for writing, also the Save the Cat Writes a Novel book. <laughs> that was super helpful for switching also to how do I structure this thing? <laughs> how do I plot? And also, I really love writing podcasts like The Shed No One Tells You About Writing. They read query letters every week. And that was really helpful for me when I was writing my own queries. Um, also, the Manuscript Academy podcast, and of course, the Las Musas podcast has also been super helpful in my journey. Nice. Uh, Ashley? A lot of these I've done myself already, like Manuscripts Academy was the first thing that I ever did as a baby writer. Um, I pitched to agents there um, to get feedback on query letters. So I started there. And then like Verena and Ines, I like Saves the Cat, but I'm gonna throw a curveball here. It's not for the novel, it's for the screenplay. And so if you are not an outliner at all and you want something that's quick and really easy to sort of look at, Saves the Cat, the screenplay version is really helpful. Like I just have like the actual outline of that that I follow pretty well now like I never knew how to plot but now I know how to plot and it's really interesting because my book gets a lot of comments that it's really cinematic and they can see it for television they can see it for like a series that wasn't intentional I really was just trying to figure out how to plot um, and that was the way that I figured it out because that made more sense to me because I maybe I'm a more visual person so watching a movie and being able to plot a movie and then see how that same plot structure can actually transfer to a book was really helpful for me. I do love Story Genius too, but to add more craft books, I love The Scene Book by Sandra Schofield. And if you're somebody who doesn't understand um, beats, like for a long time, I did not understand what agents were talking about when they said they felt distance from the character. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? Voice? I have no idea where you're going with this. So the scene book really helped me figure out beats, the pulse of the novel, the emotional resonance, and that really brought my character to the agent a lot more closely. So I would do that. And of course, Las Musas, because they've been fantastic this whole time. And their podcasts, I don't get to get to many podcasts, but when I do, they're always super helpful and informative. So check them out. <laughs> That's awesome. And there's so many of them. There's so much content. So you really have a lot, a, a lot of different episodes that go over different things and with different voices too. Like now we're the new different voices as well. 
so for me, you know, we're all in different places financially. So I wanted to mention stuff that's free and stuff that's paid. All pretty much all the books that that we talked about, Save the Cat, Story Genius, the Save the Cat for the screenwriter, which I would need to check out. Those are all massively popular. And so you can get them at your library or through, um, you know, e-loans. It can be very tempting to spend a lot of money. And there are a lot of people out there selling their, you know, selling you that dream of getting your book published. But there's a lot of free resources to the podcast, tons of free podcasts as well. And, and websites too. But I wanted to just add one more book that I found helpful, which is the Writing Picture Books by Ann Whitford Palm. That has a new it has a new update with more current example titles in it, and that one's easily available at the at the library. And then as far as paid things, I got a lot out of my mentorship with uh, Storyteller Academy. They have recently started expanding. They used to just do picture books uh, for artists and for illustrators and author illustrators, but they've recently started expanding their classes past picture books to other genres, uh, middle grade, as well as a lot of stuff on the business of publishing. And I really appreciate how diverse their faculty is because that does really make a difference in terms of what they're what they're teaching and how they're teaching it. And they have different pay models. So you can do an a la carte or you can do a membership which gets you access to everything, including live workshops. So I really like that. And that's called Storyteller Academy. And it was started by the picture book writer, Ari Chung. And then I also am gonna plug my own Facebook support group called Kidlit Latinx. And that is uh, a group that I started along with uh, Musa Adriana, Bergstrom. And there we're, we're a group for authors and illustrators and translators, anyone who is of Latinx heritage that is looking to write or illustrate or just be a part of the Kidlet community. There's a lot of resources that people post every day and there's a lot of support. So I love them. And then I also have to recommend uh, SEBWI, which was mentioned before, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. They're, they're membership-based, but you can also just pay a la carte for different webinars. They have a lot of webinars right now. They have a lot of digital content. We shifted to that once the pandemic started. And their conferences are really packed with information. Local conferences usually have opportunities to get critiques and submit to agents. And then for querying writers, their webinars are often a great way to submit to agents that are otherwise closed. So if you have an agent that you're ready to submit to and they're closed, it's worth looking up the SEBWI upcoming webinars and seeing if they're offering a webinar because often when they're offering a webinar, they open to submission. So that can be a good way to get into someone who's closed. So I don't know if there's, is there anything else that we want to say before we wrap up? We can, we, we can, any, any more advice that we want to give or comments you want to give? I've really enjoyed hearing from everyone. I know that we have an announcement on our mentorship, the the Hermanas or the Las Musas mentorship, and Valerie's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Thank you. Yes. So due to the growth of the program, 
the Musas have decided to narrow down the mentorship rounds to once a year. So the six month Hermanas mentorship program will take place every April 1st to September 30th. Now, I know that every year they get, they've been getting more and more, more and more applications and it's been gaining more and more of a following. I'm really excited for the next round of hermanas to join us. I know we're like, a, we're our little crew too of people who, who got so much from Las Musas and maybe we'll get to be mentors one day ourselves. So I really enjoyed hearing everything you guys had to say. I can't wait to re-listen. And I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Thank you so much for joining us. So to our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Las Musas or our books, please visit our website at lasmusasbooks.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books and be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books goes towards supporting independent bookstores. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also sign up for the Las Musas newsletter to have podcast updates as well as other Musas news such as release dates, teasers, spotlights, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening.